Hi, and welcome back to NFL Game Time Podcast. I'm your host, Alex Rubinson. And I'm Shai Dweck. We have now reached the point where there's just three weeks left of the regular season. Playoff spots are up for grabs. Playoff races are coming to a close. That and so much more. So, Shai, let's get right into it because it's game game time. time. So, we'll start with tonight's game, the Thursday night game, a division game. The Chargers traveling to Las Vegas, taking on the Las Vegas Raiders. Raiders obviously have been kind of spiraling a bit. They're going to miss some key pieces on defense for tonight's game. And you know what? I think I'm going to go with the upset here. I think the Chargers are going to go into Vegas and be able to beat the Las Vegas Raiders. I think the Raiders, you know, do they have the leadership? Do they have the at least the players, whether it's offense or defense, to be able to direct this team back to where it was heading just a few weeks ago. Obviously, the Raiders are still right in the thick of the playoff race. But this Chargers team, they finally, I guess, were able to close out a game, kind of, <laughs> against the Falcons last week. And I think Herbert, I think a couple of tough weeks the last couple of weeks, I think he bounces back. And I think the Chargers get a big division win. I don't know if it's going to be enough to save Anthony Lynn's job, but I think the Chargers pull off a bit of a surprise upset here against their division rival Raiders. Yeah, Alex, I'm going to ride with you here and hop on that Chargers bandwagon. Uh, You mentioned the Raiders are missing pieces. They fired Paul Gunther, defensive coordinator. A defense has really, really struggled of late. Uh, I I still have confidence in Justin Herbert that, uh, especially against a very soft Raiders defense that he can and match the Raiders offense blow for blow and the Chargers defense is, is a solid unit um, they have been super healthy this year but they, they haven't been bad either they, they've played right around where maybe a little under what you've expected but they haven't they've been a solid group so I do think Justin Herbert um, does bounce back and will get the better of Derek Carr in that Raiders office. Yeah, I think both quarterbacks are going to have a bit of a bounce-back game. I think just because I'm picking the Chargers doesn't mean that I think Derek Carr is going to lay an egg. I do think Carr, although, you know, I don't know if he's going to have, like, his best game, maybe like what he did against the Jets, but a terrible game against Atlanta. And, I mean, kind of after that, obviously, he did have a nice game against the Jets, but Derek Carr has really struggled uh, as of late, as well as Herbert, you know, last, I mean, the Colts, I mean, their defense, for the most part, uh, did an incredible job, especially after those first couple of drives, so I think both quarterbacks kind of get back on track, but I do think in the end, the Chargers, uh, with their defense uh, healthier than the Raiders, I think get uh, a nice win, nice division win at the end of the season. Again, I don't think it'll be enough to save Anthony Lynn's job, but Anthony Lynn needs all the wins he can get. So that was Thursday night football, and this we finally have Saturday night football. As you know, obviously every year we always get a few Saturday games. Well, finally Saturday football has come once again, and the first game is between the Buffalo Bills and Denver Broncos. And after their Sunday night performance against the Pittsburgh Steelers, I got I mean, I got Buffalo. You know, I'm not if they had lost to Pittsburgh, I still would have picked the Bills, but it was just so impressive, especially uh what Brian Dable, their offensive coordinator, was able to do at halftime where it was really a defensive battle. And obviously the Bills get the late defensive touchdown in the first half, 
But for the most part, the Bills' offense could not figure out that dominant Pittsburgh defense. And then the, what, 10, 15 minutes at halftime, everything just kind of turned around. Dable was able to figure him out at halftime, make those adjustments. And Josh Allen really had an incredible second half, leading leading the Bills for two touchdown drives that ultimately kind of put the game away as Pittsburgh's offense never really got going. So a really encouraging sign for Josh Allen, making those adjustments against a great defense, but also a Bills defense that at times has been a little underwhelming this year, was encouraging to see beat a Steelers offense, which you know has been inconsistent, but at times has been very potent this year. Yeah, Alex, that was a game of adjustments. Um, and the Bills made more. They had a better plan going in. The Steelers finally had that week, full week of rest that had been deprived to them the, the last uh, couple games. And they didn't utilize it. I've never questioned Mike Tomlin or the Steelers' coaching up to this point. But now I'm beginning to question it. They did not self-scout. They did not fix the many issues they had offensively. And... At halftime, you know, and in the third quarter, they did not make the necessary adjustments, both offensively and to, ste- and to stop Stefan Diggs and the adjustments made by Brian Dable, as you mentioned. Um, I think I'm picking the Buffalo Bills to win this game. I think they're one of the better teams in the AFC. They're the second best team in the AFC, in my opinion. Uh, you know, they might be the second best team in the NFL. You can make an argument for that as well. They, they're, they're really strong in the secondary. They, they proved that on Sunday night. Although the Steelers' passing attack has, it has gotten less and less potent, they locked them down. The, the, these, the young receivers had nowhere to go. And, again, Josh Allen played very, very well. It's just encouraging sign after encouraging sign. I think the Bills keep it up, Alex. Yeah, and I guess just briefly talking about the um, Denver side of the ball, you know, like the Chargers with Anthony Lynn, there are a lot of questions about the future of that Broncos team. You know, there's I haven't heard that much on the Vic, on the Vic Fangio front, which leads me to believe that he's possibly going to get another year. But also, is Drew Locke the guy? Because last year he showed some signs and some had some games where he really jumped off the page, and it looked like that was going to be enough to build. And yes, again, Cortland Sun's been out, and you know. Again, Locke, I believe he he missed the game with the shoulder injury. But, you know, Pat Shermer, he might not be a great head coach, but he is a pretty good offensive coordinator. So, Drew Locke, I feel like he has regressed this season. It's looking like Denver could potentially have a top 10 to 12 pick. And in a quarterback class, which could have as many as five or six going in the first round, Denver really needs to evaluate hard on their own players, specifically Drew Locke, because... Drew Locke could be fighting for his starting job over these next three weeks. So that was the first Saturday game. Now let's go to the second Saturday game, Saturday night game, and that's the Carolina Panthers against the Green Bay Packers. And in my mind, the MVP will be playing in this game. And, Shy, it's not Teddy Bridgewater. It's Aaron Rodgers. It's between Aaron Rodgers and Patrick Mahomes, but right now I'd give a slight edge to Rodgers. You know, we talk about a revenge game. I mean, I feel like Aaron Rodgers is having a revenge season. You know, the Packers drafted Jordan Love. Aaron Rodgers, you know, there was the whole, like, oh, the NFL always releases their top 100 list, which is not always the greatest list. But you look at, I don't even know if Rodgers was on the list to begin with. He was very low on the list. 
but Aaron Rodgers has come out with a purpose from game one against the Vikings where he had a career day, and he's really carried that throughout the entire season. Devontae Adams is having a career as well. They're still running the ball really effectively with Aaron Jones, and Matt LaFleur has that entire offense running on all cylinders, and the defense has been really good, led by Jair Alexander. So, you know, a Panthers team that has shown some signs over the course of the season that are pointing in the right direction, but the Packers are rolling on all cylinders and are really in a great position as they head toward the postseason because after that loss to the Eagles by the Saints last week, the Packers are in prime position to possibly get that one and only NFC bye. Yeah, Alex, I've been pretty steadfast in saying if the Saints were looked to be the best team in the NFC the past uh, few weeks, possibly more, and I'm beginning to, to change my view a little bit. I do like the Saints still a lot. I like what they have going on there, but the Packers have been surging offensively and defensively, which... Uh, on that, on the defensive side of the ball was my main question mark from them. They they have the talent, no doubt, but they have been inconsistent um, on that front. So it'll be interesting to see if they can really just take care of business decisively and really slow down a Panthers offense, which has been very good this year. Um, so that would be interesting to see. But again, they're they're surging. They're one of the best teams in the league right now, and it'll, it, it's just they're going to keep building on that momentum. Packers, I believe, already have the division locked up. So at this point, they're really just playing for that that number one seed, that bye, which, again, this year is different. And not it's not just this year, but for the future will be different than past years where only one team in each conference gets that first round bye. So now let's go to the Sunday games. The Buccaneers taking on the Falcons. And, you know... We'll see, but this we'll see if you know does Julio play. But this Falcons team has really struggled. You know the offense at least seemed to be you know rolling early on, but you know since a hot offensive stretch they've really cooled down. The defense has had question marks all season long, especially when it comes to you know being able to hold leads late in games. And the Buccaneers, you know, they were reeling a bit. They get the bye week. They come out. I know Minnesota missed some kicks on special teams. But the Buccaneers got a, a good win against a team in the Vikings who are rolling at that point in their season. So I like the Buccaneers to get uh, a big win here. Obviously, the Saints pretty much, ha- it looks like the Saints are going to have that division. Although, who knows now, a bad loss to the Eagles. You know, they have another tough game this week. So the division isn't quite, you know, out of reach for the Buccaneers. But even if the Saints have the division, the Buccaneers are, are going to be a team to be reckoned with, especially if that defense can play what what we saw the first half of the season. So I like Tampa here. Atlanta, you know, you're looking at next year. Obviously, they have a lot of offseason questions at general manager, at head coach, and there are even some rumblings of if they do stay in the top 10 in the draft order, could they potentially land a franchise, a future quarterback that would eventually take over for Matt Ryan? Yeah, the Falcons have been a very hard team to kind of evaluate this year because you've seen a lot of promise. And unfortunately, you know, the talent's there, but unfortunately it hasn't it hasn't come together for them in, in a long time. But I think this year you've gotten those glimpses of hope on, I think, both sides of the ball. 
and they have some pieces to to build on. Uh, I think Deion Jones has come back with a kind of a nice comeback year, and uh, to be a nice piece to kind of build up that defense again. And, you know, if they decide to keep with Matt Ryan, they have Calvin Ridley, you know, who is looking to be, you know, the number one. He's been great this year when he's been healthy. And then um, I think we just have the, the, the building blocks. So it'll be interesting to see what they do in the offseason, like you said. The other side of it, Tampa, they've been really inconsistent. And, they, you know, there's a lot of, there's a lot of rumblings have. Bruce Arians and Tom Brady be on the same page. You know, the, they, they seem to just be you know, forcing the ball down the field for these go routes instead of just playing West Coast style. They seem to be settling in a little bit. Yeah, it, we have to continue to watch how that offense continues to develop um, because it's been a work in progress um, these year, these uh, this season and through these weeks. So we'll have to see if against you know a Falcons defense, which has shown some bright spots, but is still pretty poor, if they uh, kind of show what they can do a little bit. Defensively, we've seen the inconsistencies. We've seen we've seen it all, but it just it's just about building now and putting together again. I, I feel like a broken record, but at, at this point in December, the playoff team needs to build a string of momentum and, and, and coming into the playoffs. So now let's move on to the Niners and Cowboys, which at the beginning of the year, or really at any point in, what, the 80s or 90s, this would have been an incredible game. Uh, But that is not the case, as both teams are missing their starting quarterbacks, among other key pieces. I'm going to pick the Niners here. I thought they could have gone a nice comeback win against Washington. Their defense really shut Washington down for the most part. Washington couldn't score any offensive touchdowns. Both their touchdowns came on the defensive side of the ball. And we know the Dallas defense is just not what Washington's defense is. So I'm going to go with the Niners here. I think they're going to be able to run the ball pretty effectively, just like a lot of teams have been able to do against the Dallas Cowboys. This Niners defense has been pretty good all season long, especially given what they've gone through with some of their losses. You know, Nick Bosa, Solomon Thomas, Sherman's been in and out of the lineup, So, which is a, a credit to Robert Salah, who, you know, based on what, you know, some rumblings from other uh, reporters out there, it sounds like this could be the year he gets a head coaching job somewhere else. So I like the Niners here. The Cowboys, who knows what they are. They seem like a mess at this point. In the season, they obviously should be much better with Dak, but it look, they they're gonna have to make some decisions. You know, it's looking like Mike McCarthy will be back. What does that mean for Mike Nolan, the defensive coordinator? And then also, if they're gonna franchise Dak a second time and then ultimately even sign him long term, they might have to make some cap casualties. They signed guys like Lyle Collins, Ezekiel Elliott, Jalen Smith to big deals, so. Whether it's one of those bigger names or just a bunch of maybe the smaller, not not yet known names or as not as commonly known names, the Cowboys might have some cap maneuvering to do if they want to if they want to be able to bring Dak back and sign him long term. So I got the I got the Niners in this one, but it looks like both teams this is going to be a a season that they wish to forget. Yeah, so I want to pick the Dallas Cowboys to lose this game. 
the Niners are going to win, Alex. The Cowboys are looking the next year at this point, and you said they'll be better with Dak. I don't know. We'll have to see what, you know, Jerry. I didn't say they'd be great. I said they'd be better. I think I think they will be a better team. I think they will be a better team than with Andy Dalton. Is is that not... Sure. No, that's not what I was saying. I was saying, do we know that it's going to be Dak? Is that a sure thing? Or they, could they be looking to a quarterback in this draft? I'd be very... I'd be very surprised. Like, Lawrence... If if they had the number one pick, I think there'd be a legitimate conversation. But knowing they don't have the number one pick, and they're not going to have the number two pick, which will probably end up being Justin Fields... You're looking at Zach Wilson or Trey Lance, and although I think those guys have high ceilings, I think you know what you're getting in Dak, and at least in my mind, I'd much rather have Dak at this point than Zach Wilson and Trey Lance. Could Zach, Zach Wilson might have a higher ceiling than Dak, but he also has a much lower floor than Prescott. So, I mean, look, could they move on and go with a cheaper option? I guess, but at this point, I would be... I'd be shocked. I I would be really I'd be completely stunned if Prescott ends up playing elsewhere in twenty twenty one. Yeah, I'd be I'd be a little surprised as well, but I think it's interesting to kind of just think about that possibility. Um, I I, I think you know the Forty Niners, and you mentioned Robert Salah, who I think should have been a head coach last season. I think he did a tremendous job getting Some- that team. Sometimes, and Chai, I, don't, I just want to say, sometimes you have a great year as a coordinator, but if it's kind of out of nowhere, uh, some teams might want to see you do it again. It's a fair point. I just think what he what he did last year was a little, you know, was was good enough for me, his past and his energy to get that, to get that young in order so fast. Even with the talent they had, was very impressive. I with all the... And again, with all the injuries this year, one can make the case maybe even more impressive. Yeah, definitely could. Um, I don't think they need an offense to win this game. <laughs> I I don't think the Cowboys, you know, offensively are much, defensively are much either. They're just kind of easy to move the ball against, just run the ball against them. And they're, they're, they're offensively now with Andy Dalton or... Whoever really does not gonna make much of a difference at this point, unless it's a guy, competent guy Dak. There, you know, the Forty ers are gonna be able to, to to kind of shut him down. Yeah, it was nice to see Andy Dalton kind of get his moment last week against the Bengals, but he Andy Dalton seems more like a thing of the past at this point. So now let's go to the Detroit Lions and the Tennessee Titans. I got Tennessee winning in this game. Detroit. I I don't I don't know what they are at this point. Now it's looking like Stafford's gonna miss uh, time. Who knows? He might be shut down for the season. Not wanting to risk any further injury, knowing where they are in terms of the standings. Even with Stafford, I got Tennessee winning in this game. Tennessee should be able to uh, move the ball up and down the field uh, pretty easily. And again, especially with no Stafford, this Titans defense is gonna have to play better than it has. So hopefully this can they can kind of as you were alluding to earlier, Shy. You it's all about momentum for this time of year that teams are either have secured or about to secure playoff spots. When you have a matchup against an offense, especially with a backup quarterback that's been inconsistent this season, that for that defense that has to be a confidence builder, a get right game, a game that that's a starting point uh, to build on. 
So I I like Tennessee in this one and Detroit, another team that you know they've already interviewed a lot of candidates. Uh, apparently, they're interviewing Thomas Dimitrov, uh, the former Falcons GM. So that should be an interesting uh, candidate as well. But Detroit again, another team that's looking more towards twenty twenty one and beyond. Yeah, Detroit—they're just a mess. They've been a mess for the past however many years now. Since nineteen fifty seven. It's not their season. <laughs> so, let's go now to the Texans and Colts. And I know, again, this will probably be one of the best 4-9 versus 9-4 games we've seen, in a while at least. As, remember, the Colts won the game by 6 last go-around, but Houston was about to punch it in for a potential game-winning touchdown when Deshaun Watson fumbled the snap at the 1. I'm going to go with the Colts here. The game's in Indianapolis. Philip Rivers and T.Y. Hilton have found some kind of chemistry, and they've... I mean, they've rolled with that the last few weeks. Philip Rivers is playing by far his best football, maybe even in a couple of years. T.Y. is playing really his best football since Andrew Luck was 100% healthy. And obviously that Colt Stevens has played really well all year, getting turnovers, converting those turnovers into points. Look, Deshaun Watson's had an incredible year, and I think he'll, he should make the Pro Bowl. But we've been talking about, you know, got teams like Detroit and Dallas that are messes. Take Deshaun Watson away from the Texans. What are the Texans? I mean, the Texans are maybe more of a mess than those two other teams outside of Deshaun Watson. So I'm going I'm going with the Colts. I think the Colts get their 10th win of the season as they move toward a playoff spot, which tight race with the Titans. That'll be a very fun division race to watch as we get as we near toward the end of this season. Yeah, the Colts, I think this is going to be a, a, a competitive game, but the Colts are really well-balanced. And, you know, I feel a little silly now for questioning that Colts offense and Phillip Rivers, because, again, you mentioned that they found something them that, that was him and T.Y. Hilton. You know, they, they, they seem to be balanced. They're not explosive, per se, but they're balanced. They can I, they're getting the more explosive, though. Over these last they, few weeks, they've been more and more explosive, and I think it does have to say just... The chemistry of Rivers has really finally, I think, probably perfected that new offense. He's uh, gotten a chemistry with T.Y. Hilton. Michael Pittman's come into the mix now. So I think that offense has gotten more explosive as the season has gone on. I think they have, but that's not really what they're they're meant to do. They play complementary football. They possess the ball, and they allow, and they play complementary football to that defense. You know, I... (laughs) I look at the Indianapolis Colts, and I kind of want to compare them almost to what the Pittsburgh Steelers had the potential to be, because and they had the Pittsburgh Steelers had the potential to be greater because they have better talent on defense, they have more talent offensively as well. It's just they have it hasn't come together for them. They have been able to play complementary football with the run game, and Indianapolis has, even if it's with less talent, they have done that. They have played really good football. The defense has been good, and it makes them a competitive team come January, a very good team come January. So I, I do expect them to win this game. Houston, again, they're nothing without Deshaun Watson. And maybe we see an upset, but I think the, the Colts' defense is, is good 
gonna be a, a little more well suited to uh, to deal with Deshaun. Well, you were talking about those cards and sealers. They do meet next week, so that that has the making of a potentially interesting game. So we'll talk more about that game when it comes uh, next week. So now let's go to the New England Patriots and Miami Dolphins, and the Patriots have are under five hundred, and the Dolphins have two more wins. I mean, what year are we living in? <laughs> so. I'm actually still going to go with the Patriots. 2020, Alex. That is true. That is true. I'm actually still going to go with the Patriots. I think last week against the Rams was ugly. It was as ugly as it could get. But I think, again, we talked about when they faced the Chargers. Belichick doesn't lose to rookie quarterbacks. And I think they're going to have a really good game plan. Brian Flores... Bill Belichick, that'll definitely be fun to watch because you know we we always make fun of the Belichick disciples. You know Matt Patricia, you know Bill O'Brien was solid, but we all know how that ended. Uh, and the list goes on and on and on. But Brent Flores, at least in his early career as a coach, looks to be the real deal. So Belichick Flores should be a really fun matchup to watch. Obviously, they're in the same division, so. Possibly a matchup for the next few years. That'll be fun to watch. But I am going to go with the Patriots. I think the Dolphins are a young, a, a very good young and up-and-coming team. But we do know the Patriots feast on those type of teams. So I think Cam Newton's going to have a decent game. I don't think the Patriots' offense is going to light it up. But I do think their defense is going to come in with an, a very good game plan to at least slow down Tua and maybe... Uh, just do a good job of disguising some blitzes, disguising some coverages that could make the young signal caller a bit confused back there. And it looks like... Oh, Shy, are you still there? I am still there. Great, great. Yeah, we can hear you now. Yeah, so I... I was just saying, Bill Belichick usually does not lose rookie quarterbacks, but this week he will. And I'll tell you why. Brian Flores has is probably the coach of the year, in my opinion. I would, if I were a voter, I would vote for him. He has almost single handedly transformed this di- this Dolphins defense. You know, with the help of the talent in the secondary, but really elevated the, their level of play. And he's made that offense. You know, with the help of. Uh, uh, to, uh, to be palpable despite the lack of receiving uh, receiving weapons the, the offensive line you know has has not been good but you know they've been able to work it out that's decent running game but there's but with all that said there's really solid team and the Patriots on the other hand their defense is well coached but they're just simply not as good Cam Newton's made mistakes He's shown that he cannot throw the ball on a consistent basis. This, da- this Dolphins run defense is stout. I do not think the Patriots will be able to move the ball. It will be a low-scoring affair on both sides. But I think one of the things that Tua has going for him is his composure and his, and his decision-making. I think he will be able to kind of... I think Brian Flores will have a good defensive game plan, but they will also create an offensive game plan where Tua gets the ball out quickly... They run the ball, and they, they do not make it predictable for Belichick's defense. So in that, in that van, I'm going to pick the Dolphins to win this game. 
you know, we talk about Aaron Donald, we talk about TJ Watt, we talk about Miles Garrett, who has, you know, is right there in the sack race, and he missed two games. We don't really talk about Xavier Howard, who has nine interceptions. I don't, I can't remember the last time a player had ten. He, Xavier Howard has his name right in the running for the Defensive Player of the Year award. I'm not saying he's going to win it, especially with the other very qualified candidates who are right there with him. But Xavier Howard has almost reestablished himself as one of the best cornerbacks in the NFL. And we forget how dominant he was before all the injuries. But he's, I feel like, gotten better. He's been, you know, I was worried coming into this year. I thought, you know, he would have a very good year. And I thought with the addition of Byron Jones, that would only help him. But he, so far, one can make the case he's been the best cornerback in football this season. I mean, he's not just getting turnovers, but he's been a true lockdown player for the Miami Dolphins and has really helped that entire defense. So I feel like Xavier Hayward, uh, Howard excuse me, should be getting just more consideration for a possible defensive player of the year. Again, I'm not saying he should win it. I don't even know if he'll be a top three finalist when you have guys like Watt, Garrett, and Donald. But I do think Howard should be very much at least in the conversation when evaluating the possible nominees for that award. So let's now move on to the Bears versus Vikings game. And I picked the Bears to win the first matchup between these two teams. The game was in Chicago. The Vikings got a big win on the road. And I expect the Vikings to repeat. And I think they're going to get... Another win against their division rival Bears here. Game is in Minnesota, which condition-wise should be, probably be better for the Vikings, knowing it's kind of in the dome. This Bears team, they've been inconsistent. I mean, they beat the Texans 36-7. to You know, I picked Houston, but I thought it would be a pretty competitive game with the Bears defense. I didn't think the Bears would win 36-7. to So, uh, who, knows what, who knows what we're going to get from the Chicago Bears. But inconsistency also has been a big reason why they are 6-7. and seven. So I, I like the Vikings in this one, and I think Kirk Cousins, he'll have a solid day, but the inconsistency of the Bears' quarterbacking situation, I, it's just too much, uh, I think, for them to overcome. Yeah, it's going to be really hard. It's hard for me to evaluate this game because of the lack of consistency, so not a lot to go off of here. A little bit of a toss-up. But I'm going to go with Chicago. Um, I, I think we saw with what Mitch Trubisky has a little bit left in the tank, and I think he's he's on a mission to kind of prove that, prove himself even more. And he's, you know, he has to make these opportunities count. He has to. Uh, because he's not going to get many more. So, I you know I don't know if they necessarily help the Chicago Bears, but I think he, he's definitely playing for something. And I feel, like, I feel like we saw that, and I think he can carry that over into this game with the Minnesota defense, who has not been particularly good this year. Also, I think that the Chicago pass rush should be able to get pressure on Kirk Cousins uh, at a relatively consistent basis. The offensive line for them has not been super, super sound. Uh, I, I, I do expect Chicago to get that pressure when that happens. Her cousins make mistakes. I expect Chicago to win a close game. So now let's go to 
The Seahawks-Washington game, which a few weeks ago, many people would have probably uh, thought it was, well, thought it would be a snoozer, but all of a sudden, this is the making of a really good game. I'm going to go with Seattle, though. I think they kind of returned to what they were before the year, and look, I know it's against the Jets, but they just look good, and I know that, you know, it wasn't that so much that the Jets looked bad, and we know the Jets aren't a great football team, but I really do think Seattle, they really did look good and look like they did at the beginning of the season, got back to that, so I think we don't even know who's going to start a quarterback for Washington. So if it's Dwayne Haskins, this game could potentially get out of hand, even with the dominant Washington defense. So with Alex Smith, I think this has the making to be a pretty competitive game. But I still like Seattle to pull it out, even though the game is in Washington. Yeah, I think I, I like Seattle, too. I think it's going to be a closer game if Alex Smith is there. Uh, definitely agree in that regard. And I think if we kind of revisit that game where they kind of shut down Pittsburgh Steelers, for me, that, you know, very impressive. But the Steelers are a very one-dimensional team, and there's a four-three that kind of shut them down. Seattle is explosive. Do not make the mistake of assuming that Washington can now all of a sudden go into Seattle. The game is in Washington, shy. Go, sorry. Have, you know, shut down Russell Wilson. Uh, wherever it may be, and because it's just not the case. Seattle has a competent run game. Russell Wilson is Russell Wilson. They have explosive passing attack. They can, you know, their their offense is multi-dimensional. So, although it's going to be a close game, the, the Washington defense could keep a minute. Let's not expect the Washington defense to be able to carry this team consistently. Um, to these victories, and Alex Smith is out. And even in this case, if he does play, I don't think it will make a ton of a difference. So now let's go to the Jaguars against the Ravens. Ravens playing in that crazy game on Monday night against the Cleveland Browns, needing a huge win, and they got the win. And I think they're going to be able to ride that game uh, through this week against Jacksonville. Who knows what Jack, how Jacksonville is going to look. Obviously, I think they do have some nice young pieces. I think the Jaguars' general manager opening can be very attractive because of all the draft capital they have and the money. The reports that Doug Marone could stay, which that'll be very interesting. It could come down to the GM and, you know, does the GM want to keep Doug Marone or does the GM, you know, want to make a change? But apparently, it's not a foregone conclusion that, you know, Doug Marone could be out as the Jaguars head coach. But hey, Jaguars, you know, they were very competitive against the Vikings. They were very competitive early on. They beat the Colts. They were competitive against the Titans. So, you know, the, you know Cleveland, they were pretty competitive against. So, the Jaguars have been in some games that they had no business in being in. But at the end of the day, they are still 1-12. in And obviously, looking towards that a top two pick in the draft where... You know, they're looking to land a franchise quarterback that has really plagued them for really most of their entire history. And, you know, that's a big reason why they've had, you know, minimal success throughout their uh, franchise history. So I like the Ravens in this one. I think with the Ravens defense, things potentially could get ugly. And I, I like the Ravens to take take care of business at home against the Jaguars. Yeah, let's also not forget the Jags kept it interesting against Green Bay in Green Bay. Um, let's not forget about that. That was quite the achievement. 
um, in itself. Um, but I also like the Ravens to win pretty decisively here and kind of ride uh, their momentum, as you said. They, they really can't afford to, to drop any of these gimmies at this point or have anything be in doubt because they're on the outside looking in. And the AFC playoff race has grown very competitive. So if they want to make it in, they, they've got to play their best football going forward. And uh, I think against a team like Jacksonville, they're, they're, they're going to keep that momentum going and uh, try to carry that into a possible postseason run. It'll be really interesting to see how the Ravens' backup job, backup quarterback job looks like. RG3 is on IR. Uh, McSorley had the knee injury that it looks like it may have been a sprain, so not as bad. But, you know, can he play this week? So, or, you know, even in uh, the not too, not too distant future. So, you know, something happened to Lamar. Who's Baltimore's backup? Who's going to be able to step in and, you know, kind of hold down the fort? Because, you know, RG3 and McSorley, you know, although they're not the best backups, it did seem like they were to do a half-decent job uh, in Lamar's absence. So, I'll, the backup quarterback job for the Ravens, actually, is a pretty interesting uh, topic when discussing this team. Because the Ravens, overall, are a pretty well-balanced team on both sides of the ball. Although, they probably could use more of a deep passing attack <laughs> overall, as Marquise Brown has been very inconsistent. So that's the Jaguars, who currently own the number two overall pick. Now let's go to the team holding the number one overall pick, being the New York Jets. And they're taking on the Los Angeles Rams. And I don't know if the Jets want to win. Even if they want to win, I don't think they will win. And I'm not just talking about this game against the Rams. I'm talking about for the rest of the season. The Rams, they're 9-4. and four. They're in the thick of a division race with Seattle. This is obviously, you know, Shai, you were talking about the Ravens who, you know, when you go against these teams, you got to take care of business. Same goes for the Rams here against the Jets. So I expect the Rams to win. Uh, Cam Akers has run, I mean, the heck out of the football. And he looks like, I mean, he looks incredible. And also, I mean, the Rams' offensive line looks better. And we all know when the Rams have a really good rushing attack, we know what that can do for guys like Jared Goff, as he likes to also spread the ball out to his tight ends, and Robert Woods and Cooper Cup. The defense, led by Aaron Donald, is playing very well. So the Rams, this is just another very good, complete team, and I just think it's going to be no match for the winless Jets. The winless Jets. Do we really expect them to win this game? No. There, there's no... I don't, you know, want to, you know, waste too much time talking about this, but you completely captured it. It's a team that has everything to play for against a team that really has nothing to play for. Well, I mean, they're playing the lose to get the number one pick, one could say. You know what I mean. Don't get <laughs> smart, um, Hey, yeah. I said one could say. I'm not saying I'm saying it. Okay. Um, but yes, the, the Rams are going to win. It's going to be a blowout. Let's move on. Okay, then. So, now let's go to the Battle of the Birds. Uh, Bird is the word in this game, and that is between the Eagles and Cardinals, and my, did Jalen Hurts look good. It's one game, but the Saints are the number one defense coming into that game. And Jalen Hurts looked really good. And I don't know if it was, you know, it was talent. I don't know if it's because no one knew what to expect. No one had any film on him. 
But my oh my, did he just spark a jolt of energy into that entire organization from top to bottom. Just watching that game, you just felt really the entire team, both on the offense and defense. There was just kind of like a renewed presence and energy throughout that entire organization. I do think Hertz might uh, play another solid game, but I do think the Cardinals are going to be too much for the Eagles to handle. Kyler Murray, you know, he's playing really, he's playing really good football, and you know, he had that slow stretch. Maybe he was bothered by that, you know, shoulder injury he injured against Seattle. But I do think the Cardinals are gonna continue to roll here and get another win against an NFC East opponent, as they're also really fighting for their playoff lives. Obviously, beating the Giants and with Minnesota losing really helped them for that last playoff spot. So I, I like I like the Cardinals here, and I think they're gonna try as try to kind of distance distance themselves from the pack for that number seven seed in the NFC. Yeah, I'm gonna take the Cardinals as well. You know, Jalen Hurts was remarkable against that Saints defense. There's no question about it. I do think he'll have another good game. The Cardinals defense is, is not nothing like that of New Orleans. Um, with that being said, the you know the the Cardinals are much better off, uh, offensively. You know, Kyler Murray, DeAndre Hopkins, the multitude of weapons that they have. They, they they have a good team, you know. They have a really good offensive team and playing good football. I, I just I think that the film now on Jalen Hurts, and I do think part of the reason could be that there wasn't a lot to, to look at. I think one game, though, isn't going to... It'll make a bit of a difference, but it's not going to make a huge difference. It, it, it won't make a huge difference. But I do also think, you know, the, the, the Saints, you know, this does happen in the league. Teams look past their opponents sometimes. And I'm not saying that's what happened with the, with the Saints, but it very well could have. The storyline going in that game was the Saints defense going to manhandle Jalen Hurts. Jalen Hurts has no chance. You know, the, the Eagles, you know, they were going to get walled. You know, so there was not a lot of ton of, there's not a ton of pressure there. Now, I Philly, think, there wasn't pressure. There was pressure, but I think you know what I'm saying. Philly and no pressure do not belong. <laughs> I think there was pressure, but I think the fact that the expectations were not high. You well, know, compared helped. to Carson Wentz, I would agree with you, yeah. So, so I think in that being the case, I think now that we've really seen what, what Jalen Hurts can do, I think that... The Cardinals are going to take this game very seriously, given the fact that they're still fighting to secure their place. So, again, I think those things don't bold well for Philadelphia, who just don't need to win this game as much. So, I'm going to pick the Cardinals. I think, I mean, Cardinals, I think they, no matter who is playing, and no matter what the Eagles did the week before, I think they'd take this game pretty seriously, given their playoff situation. So now let's go to the last game before the night games, and that's the Chiefs and the Saints. And it's a bit of a shame that Drew Brees isn't playing, because Mahomes against Brees in the Superdome I think would be really fun to watch. Unfortunately, we are not going to get that. And look, you know, the Saints have played well with Taysom Hill. But they played well. And you look at a lot of the games they won. uh, Two against Atlanta, and then, uh, you know, they beat... Um, they beat the quarterbackless Broncos. 
And, you know, in both, in really all three of those games, you know, the Saints defense shut down the opposing offense, and the Saints offense did not have to do a whole lot. You know, we saw the Eagles, we know their offense hasn't been very consistent, but, you know, Eagles scored 24. That's not a whole lot of points, and yet the Saints offense just couldn't cash in and could not, you know, they could not do their job. And they just think against Mahomes, against the Chiefs, you know, I still think the Saints do have a very good defense, but I think this week uh, the Chiefs will be able to light them up. And a game that I think would have been really fun if Drew Brees were playing, the Saints, or excuse me, the Chiefs should win this game pretty handily. Uh, I do think I do think this is going to be a really competitive game, despite Drew Brees, Drew Brees not playing. But it's Kansas City, you know. Kansas City has games where it feels like you know the game is competitive, but everyone knows he's going to win the game. Alex, it's almost like Kansas City's like almost not really toying, but no. I was going to say, are, like, are the Chiefs bored? And it's almost like let's see how big of a lead you can get. Like, you know, if you sometimes you have like the. Uh, someone who's really fast, right? And they said, okay, I'll give you like a 30-yard head start. Is that like what the Chiefs do to some teams? Yeah, exactly. I, but I do think that it's going to maybe competitive in that sense, but also in the sense that the Saints defense is good. And I don't think they're going to get lit up, per se. I think the... the well, Saints okay, define lit up. I, I think... Will, so. will, the Chiefs over, will the Chiefs score 30 points? No. Okay. Okay. No. Uh, I think the Saints will be able to, to score three touchdowns or more in this game. You know, I think. But will that be. I don't think that's going to be enough against this potent Chiefs exactly. offense, even against the Saints defense. I don't think it's going to be enough, but I'm saying it won't surprise me if it's a game winning Mahomes drive or it's, you know, just a. or even just a fourth quarter pull away. You know, I, I, I do expect the game to be competitive for the most part because of the Saints' defense and just because of the fact the Chiefs have not, you know, really, you know, flexed their muscles very much this year. Um, but, yeah, I do think that the Chiefs are the better team. I think they'll win. And I agree. It is a shame that uh, that Breeze is not playing because if he was, I think I'd be picking differently. Yeah, and, you know, I talked about the Packers earlier. Obviously, Chiefs are in prime position to get that number one seed, the number one, and really the one and only buy in their respective conference. So that's obviously big for them. And obviously the Packers, who I talked who I talked about earlier in the NFC. So now let's go to the Sunday night game, and it's the Giants and Browns. And people are saying, the Sunday night? What? This game... I don't know, two, three weeks ago, I think it was going to be a really fun and competitive game, and I think it would have come down to the wire. Since my thoughts on that, Daniel Jones has suffered a hamstring injury. They, The Giants rushed him back. I mean, if you watched any of Jones' snaps against the Cardinals, you, you would have said, why is he looking like a statue back there? And it's because he, he should not have been thrust into that game. And, look, I think Joe Judge has done a great job all year. I think maybe maybe one of, if not his biggest mistake, was playing Daniel Jones against the Cardinals. He could not... The playbook was ultra-limited because Jones could not run any RPOs or zone reads. He couldn't even escape the pocket. 
And, oh, yeah, he ended up now injuring his ankle on his other leg. So now he has a hamstring pull and a hamstring strain and a sprained ankle. So I don't even know if he's going to play. So it's either going to be Colt McCoy or it's going to be Daniel Jones with two injured legs where the playbook is very limited. Now let's go to the defensive side of the ball. Where the Giants' best player, maybe on their entire team, and James Bradbury is out. And I learned about this a couple hours ago, two hours ago, that apparently he was a in close contact with I someone. He went to a chiropractor, and either I don't know if it was the person directly working with him or someone who at least worked there had end up getting COVID, and he ended up being a, Bradbury ended up being a high risk close contact. So now he's not playing. So. The Giants right now have one healthy cornerback. Now, Logan Ryan is technically viewed as a safety, so I guess, you know, their slot corner, Darnay Holmes, if he doesn't play, which he didn't play last week and he hasn't practiced at all this week, so assuming he doesn't play, they could put Logan Ryan back at one of the cornerback spots. But the Giants have just a lot of issues to just so many key players on that team. And... The Browns are going to win this game. I, I'm I'm not saying the Giants would have won this game if Jones was 100% healthy and Bradbury was playing, but I definitely think this would be a very competitive game, and the Giants would have made this a very close game where any team could kind of grab it in the fourth quarter. But with everything that's kind of gone through the Giants, Jason Garrett, their offensive coordinator, is out. He did test positive for COVID. So it will be interesting that the Giants' offensive coordinator and play caller will be Freddie Kitchens. And in a game where... It was the at the beginning of the year. It was the Odell Beckham Jr. revenge game, and now Odell's out. There are a lot of revenge games within this one game. You have Freddie Kitchens. You have possibly Colt McCoy, who is gonna is the backup for the Giants and could very well start. And then you have Jabril Peppers, who was involved in the Odell trade. And then you have another trade where Kevin Zeitler, the Giants guard, and Olivier Vernon, the Browns pass rusher, were traded for one another. So. There are a lot of uh, obvious players on both teams that used to play for the other team, including the Browns linebacker, B.J. Goodson, and another linebacker, Tay Davis, for Cleveland. So who they both used to play for the Giants. So a lot of interesting storylines about possibly revenge games. But obviously, Odell would have been the biggest name had he played. But I really thought this could have been a very uh, close game for the Giants. But unfortunately, with the Jones injury and Bradbury now out with COVID, I think it's going to be very difficult for the Giants to stop the Browns defensively and move the ball offensively on a consistent basis. Whew. Uh, yes. I concur. I think, you know, the the Giants could have given the Browns a run for their money back weeks ago. I totally, I totally agree with that. Uh, we've seen them be competitive in game. We've seen them, uh, you know, defensively be able to shut down teams but now you know you've everything that, that, that you've mentioned it's it's kind of it's not really a plausible scenario anymore, at least in my opinion and the browns you know they're they look good against baltimore and you know they you know, that was a team that you know although they get sw- got swept by them that was a team which beat them 40 38 to 6 if i recall correctly 38 to 6 you know the 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 first
first, I think, week one of the season. Week one, yep. Opening week. So, that's, I think, just being able to be competitive, you know, even, you know, the Ravens wanted this game more, and they, they needed it more. But the Browns were really competitive. They ran the ball really effectively. And I, I think the Browns' run game right now is dangerous. And the Giants, I think, shorthandedly or not, aren't going to be able to stop it. The play action is going to be hard to stop without Bradbury. That's where I think the Giants are going to really struggle, off the play action. Their run defense actually has been pretty good this year, but I do think the Browns will be able to run pretty well. We'll see how that does, but I think the play action could be where it really hurts them, especially without Bradbury. Yeah, so I'm just I'm picking Cleveland for most of the reason that that you mentioned, Alex. Yeah, and I, I guess one more thought in the Browns Ravens game this past Monday night. But I remember going to that game and I was thinking, do the Browns have to win tonight against Baltimore to make a statement, or if they lose a great game and a very competitive game, will that be enough? And you know, I think obviously it would have been a much bigger statement had they pulled that out. But it did say a lot, as Shai alluded to, 30-6 to six in Week 1, they lose. Now, you know, as we kind of get to the stretch run, 47-42, where it, really, it was really closer than the 5-point score indicated. So, Cleveland obviously is on their way up, trending in the right direction, and has made incredible strides since that Week 1 matchup. So... Let's now go to the final game of the Week 15 slate, the Monday night game. Two more AFC North teams. The other two AFC North teams. We were just talking about the Ravens and Browns. And that's the Steelers and Bengals. And I know the Steelers, it seems like they could be free-falling, but against Brandon Allen, I I wouldn't be surprised me if Cincy possibly got shut out or only can muster a field goal out of this game. Pittsburgh should blow out the Bengals. And this game should not be close. With Burrow, I think it could have been interesting. But remember, the Steelers won, what was it, Shy? 36-10 to when Burrow did play. So now with Brandon Allen in that quarterback, I just don't see Cincy being able to score that many points. And I know the Steelers' offense has struggled, especially with drops. But this defense should be able to shut down the Bengals' offense. Yeah, I don't really have any—I don't have many questions on the defensive side of the ball for the Pittsburgh Steelers, but there are a plethora of them on the offensive side of the ball. And the Steelers are going to come into this game angry. Um, not only, you know, they, they, they had three really JV performances, as Mike Tomlin has said. They've looked bad coaching-wise and playing-wise, and they need a win. And they need to show, you know, even if it's against the Cincinnati Bengals, we can go and we can still just being able to blow out a team or just win decisively against an AFC North opponent against a team, even the team is not very good. Just being able to kind of regain that confidence and then move forward and just the tougher part of the last two games of the schedule is going to be really important. But things to look for for Pittsburgh, can they establish some sort of a running game? They built, they got a little bit of that, you know, uh, against Buffalo, which I thought was promising. But then again, as Buffalo pulled away, they strayed from that. They had, they had to, you know, rely on the passing game. The second thing is, can they connect on those deep shots down the field that Chase went field, which really made it that part of the Steelers' passing game? Is the Steelers hey, offense. Shai, quickly, can you kind of just repeat that last part? You kind of was uh, glitching in and out. Uh, what was the last word I said, if you remember? 
Uh, I'm going to just say, like, the last, I guess, uh, couple sentences. Yeah, so in addition to kind of getting that semblance of a run game, they need to they need to be able to start to connect on those deep shots down the field to Chase Claypool and James Washington as they were doing earlier in the season because that allowed or that made defenses respect that deep ball, which is not being respected now, and give them the opportunity to pick them apart the short passing game and then go to the deep ball when they needed to and not have to rely on that run game, which isn't a part of their identity, unfortunately, and is going to be harder to fix. So those two things, among the drops being another one and some other play-calling issues, are the two things I'm really looking forward to them building on against a weaker opponent and then taking that into, as we kind of previewed a little bit, that game next week against uh, Indianapolis. But as you know, you should never overlook an opponent or look over them into the following week. So, obviously, that that covers all the games for Week 15. And I guess, you know, we always do kind of a one last thing, one more question maybe to think of. And, Shai, I'll ask you this question. Do the Buffalo Bills have the best triplet of coaches? Head coach, offensive coordinator, and defensive coordinator. With Sean McDermott at head coach, Brian Dable at offensive coordinator, and Leslie Frazier at defensive coordinator. You know, that's a really... Because we could be looking possibly at, once January and February rolls around, that Dable and possibly even Frazier could be head coaches on other teams. No, yeah, they they certainly may. And um, I'm just thinking there are, there are a lot of good duos. No, they great, you know... But not, I'm talking about a trio. I know, yeah, I'm saying... It. Am I missing something from any of these any of these teams? And there, I probably am. But right now, I would say they're they're certainly one of the best coaching staffs in the league. And I think they've showed that they their, their development of of Josh Allen uh, has been extremely impressive. Brian Dable's development of Josh Allen, and you know the defense which looked a little suspect with those, those injuries at the beginning of the season, has really come into its own under Frazier. So I, I, those do, that, I really can't complain. They've done an incredible job. And um, so one of the best, certainly. Yeah, and I guess I'll just add, is Brennan Bean, about a, I think it was a week ago, may have been two weeks ago, got an extension. And boy, is that a much-deserved extension. The Bills team, just from top to bottom, starting with Brennan Bean, through McDermott, through... Dable and Fraser are just they're very well run they're well coached and they're just a very good uh organization in terms of what they do behind the scenes it seems like they draft well and they and it seems like especially with Josh Allen they develop well as well so that's going to do it for this edition of NFL Game Time Podcast we hope you enjoyed this episode and we hope we will see you for next week's episode previewing the week 16 games See you next time on NFL Game Time Podcast.